Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Word for you today. Now, don't judge me because of the title here. Let me explain it. But the title of my talk today is, It's a Time to Hide. Okay. It's a time to hide. Now, see, nobody likes that. But I have to tell you, the old timers knew about this. I'm going to read a little something to you. The name of the song is Hiding in Thee. How oft in the conflict, when pressed by the flow, foe, I have fled to my refuge and breathed out my woe. How often, when trials like sea billows roll, have I hidden in thee, O thou rock of my soul. Hiding in thee, hiding in thee, thou blessed rock of ages, I am hiding in thee. And so I've entitled it's time to hide. It really is time to hide. We're going to explain how important that is to your life. I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 27. And David knew about this truth. And he practiced it. And he explained something of it to us. Psalm 27. I'd like to read the first three verses And then I'd like to read the fourth with you together, all right? Austin is going to help us, and the verses will be up on the screen. See, they're there already. We have such a stew team. And let's read, I'll read the first three. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came up upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. All right? Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. All right? Now, he picks up what he's speaking about in verse 5. But you know, David was a love vessel. And David knew how to hide in the Lord. And he had made the Lord his habitation. And so he just interjects verse 4. And verse 4 is foundational to us, folks. The thing that will bring the greatest blessing to all of our lives is not the times of trouble, although God works them together for good. But it's doing what David did, as he explains in verse 4. So I want us to read verse 4 together, all right? Together, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. How important it is that we seek the Lord, to dwell in his presence, that would be more uh, of the fitting term for today. We don't just dwell in his house. We come into his house to come into his presence. And how many know his presence is not only in this house 
or in the houses of worship. His presence is within his people. And so you can touch him in home and your own family altar. You can touch him while you drive your car, while you're doing your duties, on the way to work, during work. Praise God. God wants to be involved in everything. I'm afraid sometimes we take him into some areas of our lives. But I got to tell you a secret. God will bless every area of your life. Your family life, your business life, your emotional life. And so David was such a wise man. He had one great goal in his life. And that was that he sought after that. All right. Then he goes back to these troubles. Look at verse 5. How many know that life brings trouble? If anyone has not had a trial in your life, you can be dismissed right now. All right. But in verse 5, it says, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. Oh, wow. Hiding in thee. David knew about it. And David used it. And David used it as a sure defense against his enemies. We don't think of hiding as fighting. We think of hiding as being afraid, but that's not what we're speaking about. We're talking about hiding in God. How many know that he's the answer and has power over all of our enemies? We don't. We can't fight in our own strength. And so the point of hiding is allowing God to take his place and fight for you. And sometimes you need to get hidden in Christ and get alone with him so you're strengthened to go out and have the victory that he has for you. And so let me read verse 5. In the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Rock is unmovable. Everything else moves. Sand moves. Earth shifts. Rock is rock solid. And it does not move. Then look what it says. You see victory here in verse 6. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies around about me. Amen. God is the one who fights our battles. God is the one who can overcome the enemy. In fact, he's already overcome every enemy we face. That's why when we hide in him, his victory comes forth. Praise God. Hiding in that place is not defeat. It's a place of strength, a place of preparation. And so he says, my head is lifted up above my enemies round about me. And then there comes that joy. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Praise God. How many have been in a fight and when you won the victory, you began to sing praises because you recognize God brought it out. God brought victory. Thank God the Bible says that the church goes from victory to victory. And you know, there's other fights coming, but there's more victories coming. And every victory makes you to appreciate him more and love him more, praise him more and know him better. So don't shrink from the victory. Don't, don't shrink from the tests. Sometimes they're necessary. Verse 8. I want to just finish this portion of scripture with verse 8. When you said, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face will I seek. And in other words, he's saying, when your face said, or when you said hide, I hid. 
Hiding is seeking the Lord alone. How many times do we trust in people? We look to man. We look to some help from man. You know the first thing, the word that God spoke to me? How many believe here God can speak to you? All right. Now, you might think I'm a fanatic, but I'm telling you God spoke to me. And every once in a while, I go back to the place he spoke to me in Floral Park on the corner of Sisney and Covert Avenue. Nobody ever told me God could speak. I never heard God speak, but I heard him speak. And he said to me, if you will keep your eyes on me and not look to the left or to the right or even at yourself, but on me, I will take care of you and your problems. I've never had to write that down. When God speaks to you, it's kind of like indelible ink. It's just, it's there forever. And what God was telling me is live a life of hiding because you're going to have problems. How many have had them? But if you hide in me, don't depend on yourself. Don't trust in the arm of flesh, but trust in the living God. He'll bring you through every test every trial and he'll give you the victory and so it's so important to be a hider I know it doesn't sound good but it is good it is good it is good and so when the Lord says and I'm saying by the Lord today seek his face will you begin to seek his face seeking his face changes everything you know, sometimes people struggle with tithing because it doesn't make sense. And sometimes prayer doesn't seem to make sense unless you know who you're praying to. I'm taking this time. I'm getting quiet. There's so many things I have to do in my life. I could accomplish so much more if I just could not pray and use that time in my own strength. No, it doesn't work that way. God adds to you when you spend time with him. He gives you miracles that you could not work out as you spend that time with God. One of the good illustrations, I believe, of my talk today is in Acts chapter 9. We all know the story of Paul. Paul's conversion. But I want to bring out something very, very special about Paul and how he got his victory. And so let's turn to Acts chapter 9. And you know the story, but just to familiarize us, it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings. This is Acts 9, verse 1 and 2. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, which were the Christians, whether they were men or women, they might be bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And so it says, as he journeyed, he came to Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth. I remember as a young preacher, I said he fell off his horse, and everyone laughed at me. How many thought naturally that he fell off his horse? But he didn't fall off his horse. He fell to the earth, all right? And heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. What an interesting time. Just think of Paul at this time. You wonder if he said to himself, uh-oh. I've been on the wrong side of this battle. I was a Hebrew of a Hebrew of the tribe of Benjamin. I had a zeal for the Jewish faith. And I thought in persecuting these Christians, I was doing God's bidding. I consented to the stoning of Stephen. 
And I want to remind you that when Stephen was slain, stoned, 2,000 other Christians that same day under the direction of Saul were also stoned. 2,000. All of a sudden, he's having flashbacks. What did I do, Lord? I'm sure none of us have ever had that kind of calamity. But are there times in your life you look back and you say, Lord, I'm messed. I really, really, really thought I was doing good things, right things, and I was just really fighting you. But what a revelation to get finally to the truth where Jesus says to him, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Paul at this time is trembling. He's astonished and he says, Lord, what will you have me do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what you must do. I want to skip down verse 8, 9, look at it. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand, and he brought him to Damascus. Verse 9, very important. And he was three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. But during that days, he fasted, he prayed. Paul, who was so active, fighting, not knowing exactly what he did, was doing, had a time of hiding. The time where he didn't meet people, he didn't talk with people, he couldn't go anywhere, he was blind, but Jesus told him to go pray. He prayed. Folks, everything begins with a prayer. You got saved by a prayer. Might not have been a long prayer, but you prayed a prayer, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Come into my heart. You began with a prayer. Can I introduce to you a truth? Everything in your Christian life will continue by praying. Paul is praying. Paul is in consternation. He probably wonders if he's going to be killed. He's blind. He's helpless. Seemingly. And then God speaks to a prophet. How many are thankful that God uses people? In verse 10 it says, And there was a certain disciple named Damascus, excuse me, at Damascus named Ananias, and to whom the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. That's a tremendous thing. But the last part of this really, really, really is powerful. Heaven declares something about Saul. Heaven says, in the midst of all his defeat, his blind eyes, his not knowing the way, crucifying the church, behold, he's praying. Do you know God hears the faintest cry? Do you know sometimes we all look to the left, to the right, or to ourselves? And we forget that he's the only one who can really straighten out the problem. But Paul finally was forced to get to a place where he had to hide in God. And he had to shut himself in. And he cries unto God with all his heart. I can imagine those cries.
believe he wept. He repented. He made it right. And heaven heard and sent this man, Ananias, who didn't want to go because they heard that Paul persecuted the church. But the Lord says, you go, fear not, for behold, he prays. I'm going to skip to verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul. Wow. What do you think that meant to Paul? Here the Christians, and folks, the Christians are always called to love. We're always called to make a difference by love. We might not agree with everybody. We might not have the same convictions ever everybody, but we are called to love everybody. And that is very, very specially a need today. Let's love everybody. Black lives matter. Lives matter. All lives matter. And God wants us to love all. And so he says, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as you came, he sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because of prayer, Paul is saved. Say amen. Because of prayer, Paul is healed. Because of prayer, God fills him with the Holy Spirit. Because of prayer, he comes into a whole new life that he would have missed had he not prayed. Now I want to be nice, because I am nice. But there's a whole lot of blessings, a whole lot of revelation, a whole lot of direction that the people of God will miss if they don't hide. Yeah, yeah. You'll just keep going, lickety split your own way, and you won't even know what God would have shown you. Oh boy, I tell you folks, we got to get back. We got to get alone. We got to determine to seek the Lord. And I tell you right now in America, the great need for the church is to hide. Amen. I believe in speaking, but I believe the power of God. God is the only one who can straighten out this mess. And so no time for sleeping. The church has been asleep too long. The church let... Some people say I should mention names. I'm trying to think of how to say it. The church allowed the left to take the media, to take the entertainment world, and most of all the scholastic world, the universities. They're all being raised up with a definite, and the church is feeling peace and safety. And sudden destruction comes. As we were sleeping. We were sleeping. Hey, folks, we need to do some hiding. Not hiding sleeping, but hiding fighting. Hiding believing. Hiding claiming. Hiding standing up. Hallelujah. How many knows God can turn this whole thing around? That's not my main point today, but that's what we're walking through, and that's what we're living through. God needs saints to get alone with him. He wants me to say it. Will you be one of those who every day will get a place and get a time where you bless his heart, his man that he has in the White House? Bible tells us to do that. 
And you pray that God will move over the affairs of this land. And I promise you, if the church rises up, this whole thing will be squelched. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. Oh, God, we thank you. Are you agreeing with hiding yet? I want to give you some illustrations of folks who did what I'm saying today. I'm thinking of the three Hebrew children. They're in the fiery furnace. How would you feel in the fiery furnace? I don't know. I've never been in one, but I don't want to get in one. You know what it says? The Septuagint says what they were doing in the fiery furnace. They were praising the Lord. They were walking around in the furnace and they were praising the Lord. And then all of a sudden Nebuchadnezzar looks in and he says, we put three men in there, didn't we? Well, I see four men and the fourth looks like the Son of God. The Son of God comes when you pray. The Son of God will enter right into the furnace with you. I think of Daniel. He prayed in the lion's den. They were hungry. And he shut the lion's mouth. I'm thinking of Paul and Silas, bound in stocks, suffering and beaten, are singing in the middle of the darkest night and they're praising the Lord. And the Lord sends an earthquake and all the chains of the prisoners go free and are loosed and they walk out of that prison praising God. God will set you free in the prison, in the fire, in the dungeon, doesn't matter what the trial is. When you hide with God, God moves and moves in the miraculous because the supernatural is the only way he works. And the only thing that works. Praise God. Amen. So, I'm going to finish here by just reading some excerpts of the chapter that explains this hiding place better than any chapter in the scriptures. Psalm 91. Are you with me? I want you just to drink this in as I read it, okay? Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. How about we just all thank him? Praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God. A place that's all joy and peace near to the heart of God. Oh, thank God. Oh, blessed Redeemer, keep us near to the heart of God. He that dwelleth in the secret place, he that hides shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Getting alone with God is a step of faith. The thing that, the reason why we don't get away along with God is because we don't think it works. That's the problem. I got to tell you, it works. Now, I am nothing like the Apostle Paul. I am just a little pastor, maybe not so little, but you know what I mean. Amen. But I was a misguided young person. And I'm going my own way. And I'm enjoying my own life. And I've talked about it. I had boats and skis and hair and everything else. (laughs) And I was broken. And thank God, I heard the message years ago that I'm telling you today. I did it. Praise God. Amen. 
I started to turn. I started to shut down. I started to seek the Lord. You all know how my mom got worried about me. Because instead of going out Friday night and hanging out with my friends, I went down in the basement and I started to seek God. I started to have my time of hiding. Everything that happened good in my life started, just like Paul's, by a time of hiding. I got saved. I got healed. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, God's no respecter of persons. If you're smart enough to take what I'm saying, your life will be changed. If you depend on church, you'll get a little bit. If Oh, hallelujah. If you get through to God, you'll find something that is so way beyond anything you ever thought. Most of the church doesn't do this. I know this is a hard word. We're so lazy as Americans. Everything comes easy. But the... The few, those who are honored, they pay the price to get alone with God. You don't have to spend 24 hours on your knees, but you have to live a life of coming back, praying to God, getting strengthened, making him your refuge and your strength. Praise God, and nothing will defeat you. I'm going to prove in closing by this word that by hiding, nothing can defeat you. Come on, say it with me. Nothing will defeat you. Nothing will overcome you. Nothing will overwhelm you. Nothing will defeat you. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will trust. A thousand shall fall at thy side. I'm kind of skipping around. So it's okay, Austin, I'll just read them. A thousand shall fall at thy side, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, which is your refuge, even the most high, your habitation. Your habitation is your hiding place. Look what it says. No evil shall befall thee, and no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. All right? It says in verse 13, You shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. You shall trample under feet. What is that talking about? Demon powers. Then it says, Because you have set your love upon me. Those who choose the hiding place are setting their love upon God. Does that make sense? Let me end with these blessings. Claim them as I read them. Take them for your life. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and reveal unto him my salvation. So years ago, I didn't mean to tell this story. I sang my last solo. Whereas training for ministry, we were encouraged once in a while if we felt led to get the songbook and sing a song. And you know what my last song was, dear David? Hiding in thee. Now, blessed rock of ages, I'm hiding in thee. Well, after that song, I retired from singing. <laughs> but I'm still hiding. I find it's a place of victory. I find it's a place of power. I find it's a place of safety. And I always find someone waiting for me there. And you know what? He's waiting for you there. Amen.
He's waiting for you young people there. He knows the future you might not know. He wants to bless every area of your life. Amen. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Lord, Amen. So you know what? Why don't we have an altar service tonight, today? We can social distance. Yes, with one there, one there, one there, three there, four there, five there. And if you don't feel to do that, would you like to say this morning, Lord, I want to hide. I want to come in. I want to come in. Come on, let's pray. Praise God. I want to come in, Lord.